Welcome to Mindful Conversations with Matt and Rob and our special guest, Clifford Berry, sometimes known as Timothy, among (laughs) his close friends. We'll talk about that later, but we're glad that you joined us. Today we're talking about clean language. I'm excited. I am too. I'm excited to hear what you have to say, Cliff. Cliff, it's so good to have you back. But I feel privileged because I get to see you on a regular basis, not just on the show. Yes. You know, I like using fancy words like that, like we're in the studio <laughs> or welcome to the show. <laughs> we're really just in Rob's office yeah, really. <laughs> and our podcast equipment is just on a table. That's it. It's not too fancy. Where do we get to video? <laughs> Wait till we get to... Well, that means we need to have a makeup artist. Oh, yeah, no. Somebody's going to have to style Rob's hair. All three of them. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you've tuned in to the second episode of a mini-series that we're just talking about communication, having a conversation about communication. Communication, Rob, you said last episode, it's the essence of life. Yeah, um... The way I think about it is Norman Wright, and I modified it. Communication is to a relationship what blood is to the body. Mm -hmm. And I think in our culture, we generally tend to minimize the importance because we just say, well, it's just a communication problem. And as we're learning with clean language, and as Cliff pointed out last time, it's like, yeah, there might be a little more to this communication than meets the eye. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, any opening thoughts, uh, Dr. Clifford? No. <laughs> there it is, ladies and gentlemen. I love it. It's the men of fewest words that are the wisest. I know. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> so so today we're going to talk about clean and dirty language. And by dirty, I don't mean profanity. Correct. Although profanity could be considered dirty. Yeah. And I do have a bleep button on here so if either of you do drop the f-bomb i will bleep you out okay right um but uh, i was i was instructed not to potty talk (laughs) i heard you got reprimanded by your wife you used the word poop right in our last in episode 14 yes (laughs) yeah that was a that was a good drop mic moment yep liked it um yeah the, the reality is you know communication is the essence of life. It is the means by which every transaction happens relationally, uh, whether that's a verbal communication or a body language communication or email or media, whatever it is. There's all kinds of communication happening. So let's talk about, to begin with, on this episode of Clean Language, where did clean language, where did this concept or theory come from, and who was the originator? Well, it certainly was built over history uh, as a collaborative effort uh, that often the voters have left their fingerprints, but but not their names. Uh, clean language specifically has come out of the work of David Grove, who's out of New Zealand, and he was working as a psychologist, and he was working with uh, lots of PTSD, lots of trauma, and in that in that realm, the, the what he was using would would uh, uh, create more distress and trauma. 
mm-hmm. people would want to would actually re-experience the trauma that they went through. And he decided there's got to be a better way to do it that that. So he just started paying attention to what what people were saying. And instead of asking questions that interested him, he asked questions based on what the information that the uh, participant or the person was saying and asked questions around that, the questions that he might want to ask himself. Mm-hmm. So we just got better of staying out of the way, uh, asking questions, following leads. And he also then developed looking at metaphors, not just as a, as an art form or as a reading form, but as an actual language in and of itself. And there's been lots of research done since then that says he was on the right track. Mm-hmm. So basically, he took the information that an individual was giving and tried to not judge or filter it through his own set of filters, but just kind of um, reiterate or uh, ask questions that the end goal would then be to facilitate insight and understanding? That's a night adult way to put it. Okay. Mm -hmm. So he had to go against probably most of what you and I have been trained to do. Okay. To interfere, to predict, to direct. Yeah. uh, And to either sanctify or condemn. Mm-hmm. Like leading right. the individual that you're innocently communicating with, right. maybe that's a spouse or a child or a friend, coworker, boss, neighbor, stranger yeah. at the at the grocery store, what, whatever it may be. The reality is, I think we think mostly about our thoughts Correct. and our opinions, our judgments, even while somebody else is speaking. Correct. We get in the way, and so that hinders our ability to truly listen to another person, but more specifically to understand that person and maybe even more specifically that that person understands that I am really attending to them. Well, there's that consequences is that they don't, there's not a connection there. So there's not a relationship connection, but the more disastrous part of that is what you ask me, if you ask me questions or you lead me in a direction that's not, uh, congruent with my experience, I have to leave my experience and figure out what you mean yeah. and what you want. And then I have to make a decision whether I go that way. Uh, and then I have to make a decision what I share mm-hmm. by keeping out of it and you going through their experience and helping them understand, helping not you understand, helping create an opportunity for them to understand uh, their experience, not from the past, but from the present. Uh, it allows them freedom. Uh, again, I think I use that as an example. If I ask you what you're thinking today, uh, what you think about this podcast today, there's a presupposition that you have a, an opinion about the podcast. Mm-hmm. If I ask you, is there anything about the podcast you want to say that leaves the door open for you to say anything or nothing? It stays with you. It's a choice. So. It's, you're really not telegraphing in clean language. I'm not telegraphing my opinion or leading them in any way. That's the objective. That's the objective. It's harder to do than to say. That's what I was thinking. And then what you just articulated, those thought processes, they're happening at lightning speed in our heads. Correct. So and, he, at, and at a metaphor level, metaphorical level, where they're not like 
bullet points. They're pieces of your world and experiences put together in a picture or in a sound or in a music that makes sense. That would make sense because don't most of us think in terms of pictures anyway? Like most of us do. Some of us don't. But right, we, right. We create this. We create this world within this, within our mind and within our body and within our physical space, and we react to that. And then in this concept, the metaphors help us to make sense of the world around us. Yeah. Uh, if you ask me a question, how how you know. You don't have to be clean question to everything, but you ask a question of how I'm feeling, and I'm just I I'm feeling like a rock and a hard, like I'm stuck between a rock and a hard place. What would you What would you go with that? Okay, okay so just pause for a moment. Sure. Um, let's give a mini example here, of 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 the inappropriate way to communicate. Okay. So, Rob, what did you have for breakfast this morning? Uh, I had a piece of toast and some instant breakfast. That doesn't sound very good. I yeah, we were running late. <laughs> Why did you have toast? I like toast. Wouldn't you rather have something like pancakes? Well, either or, but we didn't have enough time to make them. Well, pancakes can come in like a toaster oven format, where you just pop it in and heat it up and put syrup on it, maybe blueberries. Yeah. It does sound good, but I would prefer non-processed foods to processed. <laughs> I think you're short-sighted. I, in fact, my wife works for Kellogg's. If you bought a Kellogg product, that would help our household finances. And, and the purpose of this questioning is for what? To lead you toward my opinion. That's Be what, Because I'm the most important person that I know. <laughs> okay, there is an ex a stupid example. Well, it may be stupid, but it's common. It's, I mean, yeah, it's hyperbole, but right. the, the context is I'm listening to you, but I'm really leading you. Right. Mm -hmm. And maybe unbeknownst to myself. Oh, most often. Is. And that's probably based on my own insecurity. I want to feel right. Yeah. Like I have an idea that I think you're going to like. In fact, if I persuade you, if you're persuadable. Right. You're going to gravitate toward my idea. And I'm going to feel good about that. And I think you're going to feel good about that. And what's worse is you may be, you may be um, persuaded that your idea was wrong and my idea is right. Yeah. Now you're kind of lost in the weeds having to walk through eating something different. Right. You know, that's messy. Well, yes. and that would, I don't want to hijack the conversation, but what Matt just illustrated not only speaks to a personal objective, but also behind the communication, pro probably very unintentionally or unaware, is the issue of power, right? Right, right. You go back to what we talked about last week, distortions, deletions, and uh, uh, well, I forgot the third one. Story. I should go into politics. <laughs> <laughs> so if I go to the same mini example and ask the question again, Rob, what did you have for breakfast this morning? Pancakes with blue <laughs> toast and instant breakfast. Toast, yeah. Have you is toast um, a regular part of your breakfast routine? I would say more often than not. Yeah, I don't know if I'd say regular, but yeah, frequently. Do you ever use anything on your toast? Um, any other condiments or? Yeah, I like uh, peanut butter. Mm. 
I actually peanut butter is my favorite food group. What what does the when you use peanut butter, what's the role that peanut butter plays on your toast? I would say taste and protein. Mm. Mm. Okay. So I mean there's a, a mini example of me following you and I'm asking questions. They're supposed to be clean questions that just develop allow you to develop yes. your own thought about what you're doing. Did that make sense? It not only did it make sense, but when you were doing the exercise, I noticed the difference in how I felt. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know that I was paying that close attention to it, but somewhere in there, um, particularly on the first line of questioning, I'm thinking he's, it, I don't know if I would have noticed it, but I did. And it was like, where are we going? He's kind of, it feels like he's leading me. The second set of questions, I felt like, oh, he's probably interested in what I had for breakfast and you're interested in what I have to say. Mm -hmm. Is that? Yes. uh, What transpired here was a a conversation. It wasn't right or wrong, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't a clean question. It was just, you don't make everything a clean, clean, communication there was an interest but if you had come to uh, come to this table and you for a particular reason because you have a dilemma or a struggle information that you wanted to communicate or discuss about that conversation wouldn't have gotten you in the direction you might want to have gone the first conversation when right. the second one had a better shot at doing that had a better shot at that but it was more conversational uh, and it had appropriateness. It's it's what you're there for. If you come to me, one of the first questions I ask, what do you what do you want to happen? What would you like to have happen? So it's they say that clean language is a new way of thinking about the way people think. Right. Um, and that's what that's basically what you're suggesting. What do you want to happen? So you're starting with you're starting with me. You're starting with you. Starting with a a, a goal. I don't know about a goal, a direction that you that you brought to me or you bring with you. So I'm trying to follow you. The conversation is fine, it's appropriate, but does is it useful? Okay. And if it's not useful, can it be helpful for you? But would most people so Matt's Matt's um, analogy with the toast, that's just that's a conversation that could happen if someone was curious. But if I understand you right, what you're saying is that um, the more intense or deep kinds of conversation, it, it, the best case scenario is to utilize this clean language, to really just follow the lead of the person that you're trying to help. Certainly in the field we're in, we're supposed to be helpers. Right. Yeah, we're supposed to be helpers. We're supposed to be able to do something with that. Uh, that doesn't mean, though, is that conversation that transpired between you and Matt wouldn't lead into something. Okay. The question would be, what would you like to have happen? What would you like to have breakfast? Yeah, and I think if I were to broaden the mini right. example, perhaps the conversation originated because Rob was curious about his diet based right, on right. his health. Exactly. Right. And so what I'm doing as he's considering his diet mm-hmm. 
is I'm positioning myself because something that's central to clean language is the practice of listening and observing with full attention the other person's words and nonverbal signals without offering my own advice or opinions. And that, because of your background, that 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 could really logically happen. I could, well, I have, but could come to you and say, what about exercise or diet? Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing for me that I find fascinating is is that uh, the language, the conversation isn't linear. We often look for cause and effect. One leads to the other. It could you look for a nonlinear system or what they call emergent knowledge. You could be talking about the toast. All of a sudden, the toast thinks like, "Well, I, you know, I, you know, not only the toast was burnt, I was burnt." Then you've got. What kind of, oh, okay. So we often, what we do is we associate. Our mind brings all this information, experience, and it associates it together into a metaphor. We use probably, they say, six to eight metaphors a minute in our conversations that we're not aware of. So he could be talking about toast, and he makes a reference about, yeah, I felt like the toast today. I was burnt. Uh, There, there. Well, what kind of burnt is that burnt? Mm. Mm-hmm. So it opens it opens the doorway, and you're there to help that be useful. It's it's a lot of fun, but it's a lot of work. <laughs> so so yeah. this could be good. When it comes to the toaster, I'm like on the upper level of the setting. Like if the toaster has a setting from one to ten. I, I'm a risk taker, so I usually go up <laughs> around nine. I like my toast to be toasted, but not blackened. Okay. My wife and kids love, they're like a three, four. And sometimes I push the envelope to get them to enjoy a little more toasting. It never works. And I sometimes I forget and it gets over toasted. Mm-hmm. And the, the worst situation is when I'm out of bread and I don't have a backup system. What would you like to have happen? Well, I would like, you know, when I was eight years old, I would have liked my mom to have made me toast. That was more like three or four. And what would that have been like for you? I think I would have been happier. Happier. I think what happened was when I was young, I had an experience of darkened toast, and I felt like that was the only way to go. What is happiness for you? Mm. Happiness is, you know, when I think about toast, I... I enjoy butter with some, like, strawberry jelly. Is there anything else about that toast and that strawberry jelly? Well, I think about my happiest moment was on the lanai at my grandma's place in Naples, Florida, when I was growing up, and she made me toast with the jelly, with grapefruit, but it was on the back lanai, and the back part was the channel and the smell of the air in that Naples humidity in the summer. What was your relationship with your grandmother like at that time? It was fabulous. She and my grandfather, um, just represented, you know, joy to me. What kind of joy would you like joy to be now? Hmm. That's a great question. As I consider that experience with my present, I don't know if, you know, we just got back from Maui And so that experience, the beach, the sand, 
the humidity, the smell, all of that stuff brings me back to a place of joy. So, you know, being there, I love the smell of the sea. And it reminds me of that early childhood experience being in Naples. So this could continue on. Uh, it's yeah. following the liege. You have to, you end up having to ask questions. You can't ask questions about everything they say. So that's where you, the more you attune yourself to your experience, the more you ask questions that are of interest to you. And the more you look, treat, it, treat the metaphor as a real language, just not an artistic form, that allows wow. more, more and more opportunities. Uh, it's very simple, and at the same time, it's gets to be complex. It seems like in a culture where we're arguably highly selfish or self-centered, this would take some practice. It does. I've been practicing a couple of years, and I probably now at a kindergarten. <laughs> It didn't sound well, kindergarten when, to when me. you graduate <laughs> kindergarten today. They put a little like graduate hat on you, and we have a little parade. So we'll do that in the hallway right. here. But Cliff, that was um, that was a fun little exercise. I'm just noting that you did really well at taking something as simple as my toast metaphor, which was kind of meant to be silly, right? But yet he took it and and led me to attend to my own experience with toast. And all of a sudden I ended up in Naples. Yeah. That was cool to, to with, watch and with to hear. My, with my, now that took skill. Yes, it did. I mean, that took intention and skill, but that took me on a journey that was really pleasurable. Now, obviously you could also be led into some disturbing memories. Right. Right. right for sure. But we've been practicing clean language in our circle of trust group based on the work of Parker Palmer and his book, um, a hidden wholeness. And for about the last two and a half years, we've been practicing this. So I would like to say, like Cliff, I've been working on this and it's not easy. I, I, I like the statement. It's simple, like Cliff said, but it's not easy. Yeah. And, and so I'm working it out, but in our circle of trust group yesterday, I confess that it's getting easier. Like it's, it's becoming more natural for me to attend to another person and I think that has a lot to do with the fact that I've done my own work. Mm -hmm. To the degree that I've done my own work, I'm able to attend to another. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because two solid masses can't occupy the same space. So if I'm all consumed about me, I don't know that it's really feasible or, or a fair expectation or a, a healthy expectation to think that I can attend to someone else. Okay, so now, again, that's another mic-dropping moment. <laughs> No, seriously, we live in a world of selfishness, and that's not a criticism. We, by human nature, yeah. tend to be more selfish. We tend to be more egocentric than we do other-centric. I would go along with that without putting a, a, a judgment a, a judgment question or a judgment figure at the end. Mm -hmm. Uh, we're creating our world again, like I said, like we talked about last week. Is we only operate on the maps we create. Mm, that's right, because the only information we have of the world comes through our senses, and the only way we have to make sense of those senses is 
is through combining the experiences and and deciding what they mean and how I'm going to do that. So those are really, really little things grow real quick. <laughs> so if I'm hearing you well, what you're saying is that I only can experience the world through my lens and filter experience, my autobiography, the sum total of experiences. That's not necessarily selfish. No. But the way we utilize it, that's more of the selfish aspect of it. I may create a world that is so dangerous and people are so dangerous is that I say, okay, uh, I'm at risk and my rules are get you before you get me. Okay. And then that drives the behavior and the behavior drives the relationship mm-hmm. and the relationship drives the context and the context it keeps multiplying and stories get on stories and on stories on stories and then uh, stories that we have from a kid uh, from trauma mm-hmm. those stories still are there in people's minds mm-hmm. they're just not at the surface but you better believe they're they're in the process well, they would, I think they were, if, if we're talking trauma, they would manifest themselves as symptoms. Right. Because trauma victims don't have memories. We have symptoms. So, so we would take that symptoms and we would say, well, there's something to really be scared about yeah, okay. the here and now. And then we create worlds around that. And then you start to talk to me about trauma or what I meant. And you're trying to get me to... Uh, don't know to access that symptom and i don't want to access that 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 symptom but i'm willing to say hey you know i just feel like i got a ton on me Uh and then the question is saying is okay what kind of ton is that ton and you got a ton on you what kind of ton is that so you're expanding it from your world and you stay control of that Uh, it's expanding it and um not scripting it no not scripting so you're expanding it. you're not scripting and you're giving you're giving the person who's hearing that question permission to take it wherever they need take to take it, it. Need that's to take cool it. that's yeah. really cool and then for that that expands and they're their world a little bit more and then there's information that can come out of that mm-hmm. it's like uh uh Oh, wow, this is like last time I felt like I had a ton on me is when that uh, uh, tank was trying to run me down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would. Okay. And you ask, you know, then you ask a question, is there anything else about that? Mm-hmm. It's the question it could be is, is like, oh, when my wife comes at me, physically at me, is that's, that, that's interesting. My wife comes physically at me. She starts rushing at me when she gets angry, and I feel like I'm going to be run over by a tank. Yeah. And she's, she must be dangerous. So it sounds nutty, uh, but it's not. Well, it, again, it's not a, it's, it is simple. It's not easy. And with our time winding down, next three minutes, what oh, I, what I, well, we're going to do, we're <laughs> going to do part two of Clean Language in episode 16. So we're going to come back. Of this conversation, but the way I want to end today's episode, our conversation, is when when we think clean language, 
we want to help other people explore their thinking. Correct. Okay. And then we use clean language to help people make changes they would like in their life. Correct. We want to provide them with valuable information about the way they think and how they do things. Correct. We want to improve communication, understanding, and build rapport. And we want to allow this to enable us to talk to each other in language ways that feel that we're being acknowledged and heard. Nicely said. Well, it's in the outline. (laughs) It's in the article that you sent me. But I appreciate the appreciation. So so I really want our listeners to to walk with us in this conversation and track with us. So if this is a little fragmented and, and you're not fully getting this, hang on. Um, in next episode, we're going to continue practical examples of what this looks like. So to end with, what are the typical relationships that we would use clean language technique in? Uh, well, I'm a counselor, so I very much use it in my, in my work with the counseling. Uh, at home with my wife is when I'm feeling stressed and want to strangle her, I start to use clean language. So in marriage relationships, we could learn how to use clean language in my marital relationship. What other examples? I was thinking parenting. Parenting. You know, Mm -hmm. um, parenting, it seems like, I don't know whether to qualify this or not, it seems like it would also be um, effective in some work environments. Yeah, if you were in a work environment and you're having to deal with a lot of people who have hidden agendas uh, and not necessarily uh, collaborative, is being able to use clean language may may help clarify the situation or you help you figure out what you want to do mm-hmm. and is it possible to get what you want. Yeah. You know, there's lots of different ways to use this. Uh, in clinical work, it's really kind of formalistic it's there's a regular formalistic but there's also in just general conversations mm-hmm. you can use that the, the more you stay out of the conversation the more you let them think uh and help help understanding what help you understand what they're going on then you you generally ask more clean questions mm-hmm. Yeah, so how about we do this? How about we come back in next episode with some specific examples of whether it's a marriage example or a parenting example. Um, I've got some thoughts regarding some conversations I've had with my adult children yeah, uh, with some of the life decisions they're making. And um, yeah, that's know, a good, yeah, a good place to do. But there's also, I think a really good category because we spend so much time in our workplace, um, our relationship with colleagues or employers, customers, right? Yeah. The, if we use clean language, I think the, the, the theory is this can help me be a better part of the relationship. Mm-hmm. It's, it's building equity in the relationship when I learn how to communicate effectively. Well, it seems like it focuses on listening. Yes, it does. You know, and that's, I mean, it's really easy to talk. And I like to talk, but the older I get, the more I'm convinced that one of the gifts I give to the people that I care about is this component of listening. Yeah. yeah. And clean language helps 
to facilitate that objective. It, it facilitates the conversation with with meaning. Okay. And then when you decide on the meaning, then you can make the rules. This is how we're going to do it. Bingo. Hey, we've got time to continue to unpack this and to explore how to communicate effectively. I appreciate both of you helping me to work through my toast, grandma issues. <laughs> appreciate that. Hope you guys have a great rest of your week. And for those of you listening, thanks for tuning in to yep. Mindful Conversations with Matt and Rob with our special guest, guest Cliff Berry. We hope that you have a great day wherever that may lead you. Blessings. Same to you.